When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to episode 74 the merlin olsen episode you remember merlin olsen now i know of his tv career but not of his sports career oh well let me do some educating for you merlin olsen went to utah state drafted by the rams in 1962 14 time pro bowl selection wow tied with tom brady for the most pro bowl what position Defensive lineman. He was part of a group called the Fearsome Foursome for the L.A. Rams in the 60s and 70s. Dominated the line of scrimmage. Uh, Rookie of the year in 62. A member of the 75th anniversary all-time team for the NFL. And then, of course, went on to this acting career. uh, Played Jonathan Garvey on Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. And then also had his own NBC drama, Father Murphy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did all this while being a color commentator with uh, Dick Enberg for many years on NBC. Can I throw some sports yak fresh stats at you? Please do. These literally just came in moments ago. I started jotting them down real quick. I thought this would be fun to go over. The number one place that the yaksters listen to sports yak is on iTunes. Spotify number two, Spreaker number three, iHeartRadio in it number four. In the last 15 days, 579 downloads slash listens. We are heard in Germany, Canada, Italy, the UK, Belgium, Switzerland, Iran, Australia, and Sweden. Sadly, we're understood nowhere. Top five cities that download the sports yak. Get in number five, Elkhart. Number four, Chicago. Number three, Mishawaka. Number two, Granger. Number one, South Bend, Indiana. Wow. Honorable mentions to Warsaw, St. Joe, and Goshen. Glad to hear it. Glad that people are listening to the yak. Hopefully you're informed and entertained and somewhere in between. Feel free to give us a shout-out. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about more, less, anything in between. From South Bend, Indiana, you know where that's at. I don't. 
It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freeby. I'm the booth announcer, Jim Shorts. Sports Yak! Let me start with this whole South Bend athletic director's debacle that continues to make news. Uh, The deputy superintendent, Todd Cummings, so I guess it's his idea, uh, said some things in his interview with the South Bend Tribune. The letter that went out to the ADs came from Todd Cummings. Okay. For the time being, and apparently publicly, he is he is the one taking either credit or blame for this, depending on how you want to look at it. Tom Noy did an interview with Mr. Cummings this week, and immediately within the article, Mr. Cummings starts backtracking on what he said before. Uh, paragraph two of Tom's story. The school district last week informed its athletic directors it's eliminating their positions and creating new jobs that would have, quote, some of the responsibilities, unquote, of ADs, but include, quote, many other administrative functions, end quote. In an interview with the Tribune, the deputy superintendent, Todd Cummings, backtracked on that description. It's not a part-time position, he said. I don't think we can serve athletics as well or even better than we are if it's a part-time position. Well, that's true. You can't serve athletics well if you've got part-time athletic directors. Noy goes on to state that it's not uncommon for high school athletic directors to work 14-hour days, six days a week. Cummings also clarified the school district does not view the job of athletic director as a surplus position. That was the phrase he used in the termination letter last week to the ADs at Adams, Clay, Riley, and Washington high schools. On Wednesday, Cummings said the only position that falls under surplus is that of the corporation's athletic director, and that job will be eliminated. Well, wait a minute. Welcome to the podcast within the podcast. This podcast is called Rant. You're the one who put into print that you use the term surplus, and now you're backing off of that. You're the one who said that the AD, the new position of director of dean of students and athletics mm-hmm. would incorporate some of the duties of the athletic director. Sounds like he's full of duty. And now you're saying that there will be more. So as you say this, if you've already backtracked on two things within nine days, how can anybody believe anything else this guy has to say? If you follow Chuck at 46 Sports and Sports Yak with two Ks, I just retweeted Tom's article so you can read it for yourself and see what's going on there. It's getting a lot of talk here in town. Crazy. Do you think he came from another school or system where he did that or that was in place? No. This is a new idea to him? Yes. Mm. Now, it's been done in other places. It's also failed in other places. Now, Cummings... Then he goes on to say, right now the community is getting wrong that we don't care about athletics and that we're eliminating the positions of athletic director. We're committed to athletics. Well, those are nice words to say, but where's the commitment? Yeah. You can say that all you want. That's like I can say I'm people's sexiest man alive, but that doesn't mean it's true. You've been listening to Rant, the podcast within the podcast. We now resume our regular podcast. So, good luck. Good luck to the people in the South Bend schools who are dealing with this. My hope is that at the next board meeting, there's enough stink raised by the public Mm -hmm. to perhaps change some of this. 
Yeah. And I think I, I think there probably will be, because I have yet to encounter anybody who thinks that this is a good idea yeah. other than Todd Cummings. What's going on on the front page here? I didn't get a chance to oh, see this this morning. Okay, front page of your South Bend Tribune today, and what the article you're pointing at is we might as well stay with high school athletics. It's a story on the poise of the Penn team, a veteran team, as they go into the 4A semi-state with Carmel tomorrow. A uh, lot of people looking at this game as though Penn is the underdog. You can understand why. Carmel is ranked number one in the state. They're 24-1. and one. They play in a very difficult conference down in Indianapolis, and they've weathered all the storms from that, including knocking off the defending champion, Warren Central. They're from pretty last good uh, football team as well, if I remember well, correctly. Well, Carmel and Penn have a great football rivalry. In fact, if you look at the four teams in the Class 4A semi-state, Carmel, Penn, Ben Davis and Center Grove. It sounds okay. like the football tournament. Yeah. Okay. But it's the basketball tournament, and Penn will need that poise. They'll need to play like veterans. I think they want to try to push the tempo a little bit tomorrow against Carmel. Carmel is a team very content with the game in the 40s and the 50s. This is a Penn team that during the regular season averaged 74 points a game. So clearly, they like to get up and down the floor. They have to find a way to push Carmel into the tempo that they want to play at, and that may well decide that game that will be played tomorrow afternoon down in Lafayette, about 3.30 South Bend time. About two and a half hours away from South Bend. No excuse for the Penn people not to show up. Not at all. Plenty of time to get down there, plenty of time to rally the troops, get the black and gold on, and head that way. Meanwhile, the game we'll have tomorrow on TV 46, in my estimation, has no less than five Division I players or Division I athletes playing in it, with Culver Academy taking on Marion. Culver Academy has arguably the best junior in the state in Trey Galloway. I know the Marion, not the Marion, Indiana faithful, but the Mishawaka Marion faithful will say, whoa, 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 whoa. what about Jaden Ivey? And, and Jaden's a terrific player. I think Trey Galloway might just have a little edge on Jaden, but it's very slight mm-hmm. in terms of his abilities. Uh, but Trey Galloway could be the best junior in the state. He'll play for Culver Academy against uh, arguably the best sophomore in the state, Jalen Blackman from Marion. Blackman has already scored over 1,300 points in his high school career as a sophomore, and many people think that he might be able to make a run at Damon Bailey's all-time state scoring record of thirty-one over 3,100 points. So then you've got, along with Galloway, Ethan Britton-Watts, who's already committed to play at Boston University. You've got Deontay Craig, who is getting football offers from places like Notre Dame and Michigan. That's the Culver side. Over on the Marion side, along with Jalen Blackman, they have a freshman guard by the name of Rasheed Jones that averages about 10 points a game. And a kid named J.K. Thomas, uh, who's a terrific uh, quarterback running back, Broke his leg in the sectional, has come back from that, and he's averaging about 15 points a game right now for Marion. So this should be a fun one over at Northside. Jim will have it on Facebook Live right around 645, I imagine, and then tomorrow night on TV 46 at 10. Real quick about Penn. Last time they were in a a state championship game. Oh, you'd have to go back to when uh, Dean Foster was coaching the Kingsmen back, I believe it was 2004. Okay. They made the state. Okay. Well, best of luck to all the teams. Exciting basketball this weekend in high school. That's awesome. Absolutely. And uh, kudos to Brandywine. Those girls are still alive in the tournament. They beat Centerville 
on Wednesday night, 64 to 58. So they will play top ranked Pawamo Westphalia in the quarterfinals on Tuesday. Where's that at? Uh, that quarterfinal game, I think that might be. I'm not sure. I think that might be at the Breslin Center, but not okay. 100% sure. Okay. Sports Yak! Sports Yak. Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. The second K is silent. College basketball. We had Indiana playing right here in the smack dab in the middle of the day yesterday. Oh, my goodness. The, the, here's the thing. As you watch the Hoosiers, and I will admit, I am not an IU fan. I, I, I'm i one of the few people, I guess, in the state that's fairly neutral on them. Okay. Um, I keep an eye on them because that's part of my job. Yes. But I don't watch every game religiously. And I'm watching the game yesterday against Ohio State. And I've heard all season long that Romeo Langford is a lottery pick. And I realize anybody can have a bad game. But I would seriously suggest to this young man that he come back to Indiana for a second year. Because he didn't look anything like a lottery pick yesterday in this game. Only had nine points. Indiana had dreadful spurts in this game where they just did not take care of the basketball at all. Way too sloppy an effort. Way too many turnovers. Shot only 30% in the first half. They're down by 20 with seven and a half minutes to go. I mean, it looks like they're just calling for the check. Suddenly, Fitzer comes off the bench. He hits a couple of threes. Deontay Green, who had been about IU's only shooter all day, hits a couple of threes. They whittle this thing down to a three-point game with 55 seconds left. They're down by two with three seconds left, but then Ohio State hits a pair of free throws, and the Buckeyes win at 79-75. And at 17-15, and 15, I don't see any way IU makes it in the NCAA tournament, so they appear to be NIT-bound. A very disappointing season for a team that at one time, Corey, was twelve and three this year, and they finish at seventeen and fifteen. How does Archie Miller explain? It's like you didn't know what Indiana team you were going to get when you would tune in. Because exactly. sometimes you'd hear about these amazing wins, defeating the Goliaths, and then you hear about what you just talked about, and it's like, what in the world? Well, you watch you watched that team yesterday, and I tweeted, "How in the world did this IU team beat Michigan State twice?" Now, my buddy Anthony, who's a big IU fan, tweets back because they only got to play them twice. But uh, this this was just a hugely disappointing season for the Hoosiers. Now you turn around tonight, and the Big Ten quarterfinals roll on, and Purdue will open up play tonight against Minnesota. Now Minnesota barely survived last night. They went at 77-72 over Penn State. But remember, Minnesota beat the Boilermakers just a couple of weeks ago in Williams Arena. Yes. This will be played on a neutral court at the United Center. Purdue played very poorly in that game against Minnesota a couple weeks ago. I think they'll be motivated tonight. I think they'll come out and play well. We won't be able to talk about this till Monday, but who do you think is going to win the uh, the Big Ten? You know, I really like the job that John Beeline has done at Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I just think that 
even though Matt Painter well-deserved because of what he had coming back and what he got out of his team was Big Ten Coach of the Year this year, if I have to win one game in that conference, and I have great respect for Tom Izzo, I have great respect for Matt Painter, I'm going to take John Beeline just because of the defense that his team plays. The return of Zion Williamson. How many Nike high-ups were probably at that game last night wondering about what shoe he's wearing and how it was designed and who might get the the pink slip the next morning? Well, not only that, but you kind of wonder what his return did for the uh, ticket scalpers in Charlotte, North Carolina yesterday. Because I'm sure suddenly that Duke-Syracuse game became a much... Not that Duke-Syracuse doesn't have a lure to it without Zion, but with Zion, it had much more. And he did not disappoint. 13 for 13, some ferocious dunks, 29 points, and Duke steamrolls Syracuse. After the game, Jim Beheim, who's only been around since I think peach baskets were used, says, you know, he he's reticent to compare players. And he's reticent to say one player is better than another. Yes. What he would say about Zion is, I haven't seen anybody like him in the college game. I think the closest player that you would have seen to Zion Williamson would be LeBron James, but LeBron didn't play college. Were you surprised he came back? No. I think he had to show that he could come back mm-hmm. and and what he was like. Not that he still wasn't going to go in the top three or four of the draft, but there's still a difference in the pecking order if you go number one or number four. So show that you're fine, which he clearly is. And, you know, now with him in the lineup, you go back to looking at Duke as a legitimate national title contender. We watched a couple of dunks this morning, some highlights. Mm -hmm. Does Coach K pull him aside and say, you're allowed to do that? Like, you're allowed to put on a show or, boy, it better be the right. It better be the right play for you to pull that off. What do you think that conversation's like? I think... Over the course of the season, there's probably a back and forth okay. between coach and player. I think I think early on, you know, Coach K says, this is my way. Yes. And there are times within a game where, you know, basketball is a game of free flow. Whereas football is, you know, you have to do this on every play Mm -hmm. and occasionally there will be plays where a player has to scramble and be creative basketball is primarily a game of free flow yes there are called plays and designed plays but lots of it is adjusting and and reacting as the game goes on and i think there are times where whether it's emotion or energy or the fact that nobody is near me on the court and i can try to do this yes that allows zion to to show a little more flair. And then there are times where, hey, you're in traffic. You you got to make a catch and a play where you try to limit the flair and you're trying to make sure you make the shot. So uh, I just wanted to point out the other games in the Big Ten tournament today. You've got Ohio State taking on Michigan State. Ohio State was pushed to the limit a little bit yesterday by Indiana, so I would expect Michigan State to win that game. You know, it's it's easy to sit here and want to go with the favorites. Michigan has Iowa in the late game tonight in Chicago. 
Now, the Hawkeyes, they can fill it up with the best of them, but I just like the way Michigan plays defense. And on a neutral floor, I would take the Wolverines in that one. And I already mentioned Purdue versus Minnesota. The one surprise team so far in the Big Ten tournament has been Nebraska. Tim Miles' team, after beating Rutgers on opening day, upset Maryland yesterday. And so Nebraska has to take on Wisconsin today. And that's a game Nebraska could could be a spoiler in because I just don't think Wisconsin scores enough points that they can pull away from anybody. I didn't realize LSU was that good, 26-5. and five. Yeah, but they're having to do it without their coach because their coach is in the middle of an NCAA probe about paying players. Oh, boy. Yeah, now he wasn't in the fake player probe. This is... This is identifying actual players and saying we will give you money through the shoe companies. Can we talk about Golden Tate? I'm excited for this young man. Golden Tate, well, it's been a very active week in the National Football League. The Giants send Odell Beckham Jr. to Cleveland for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and the rights to safety Jabril Peppers. That opened up a receiver void on the New York Giants, and they filled it yesterday by signing Golden Tate to a four-year third $38 million deal, and $23 million of that is guaranteed. Golden responded by making his own Twitter video of a reenactment of Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Louder, Jerry! Show me the money. Look, Jerry, say louder! Show me the money! You know, Golden's been in the league now for a while. How, long, out, is it, how long has it been? Well, he, uh, he came out in the 2010 draft. Oh, wow. This is a guy that's around 30 years old. And for him to get that kind of money to be a receiver and that kind of guaranteed contract, it's a pretty good payday for him. So good for Golden Tate. Uh, We talked a little bit about the free agent signings on the last edition of the Yak and kind of bounced some of the big ones around. But, you know, Odell Beckham going from the Giants over to the Browns really gives Cleveland a young and talented offense if they can kind of put any kind of offensive line in front of Baker Mayfield. And the Browns have had a pretty good defense. All of a sudden, you kind of look at Cleveland, which, let's face it, for a decade has been the joke of the NFL, Mm -hmm. and you think of them as a legitimate playoff contender. Now, I know the people in Cleveland are, you know, talking Super Bowl. First things first. One thing at a time. Just get to the playoffs. Yes. The Bears signed... Defensive back, haha Clinton Dix. Hang on a minute. One more time. Haha Clinton Dix. Okay. Haha. It's his nickname that he was given by his grandmother. He played at the University of Alabama, has been with the Green Bay Packers, and then last year uh, spent a year with the Washington Redskins. Uh, but that should help shore up the Bears' secondary a little bit. We'll see. They lost Adrian Amos earlier in the week, so now they replace him with haha Clinton Dix. Hockey tonight at the Compton, or actually Saturday night at the Compton. Notre Dame in the Big Ten semifinals taking on Minnesota. We've talked about this before. Jeff Jackson's team really needs to win the Big Ten tournament title in order to solidify its spot in the NCAA tournament. They had the para-wise rankings in the paper earlier this week, Corey. I should have pointed this out to you when I saw it. Uh, but Notre Dame ranked 15th in the para-wise rankings. Only 16 teams make the NCAA hockey tournament. And much like the NCAA basketball tournament, you say, oh, a team, you know, has an RPI of 48. Well, that's not always good because of those 68 teams that make the tournament. Some of them go to automatic bids that are well down the list. And the same is true in hockey. A couple of 
conferences well down the list get automatic bids, which means if you're 15th in the pairwise, that's that's usually not good enough to get you in. Not to be confused with Pennywise, the scary clown from the It series. Thank God. You know how I feel about clowns. Mm-hmm. NBA last night had an interesting game down in Indianapolis. Paul George making just his second visit back to the Pacers since the big trade that sent him to Oklahoma City a couple of years ago. And he had a very fine game for Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City was up by 19 in this game before the Pacers come roaring back. And who brought them back? The Sabonis kit that they got from Oklahoma City along with Victor Oladipo. Sabonis scores 26 in this one. Wesley Matthews gets a tip in at with 1.9 left, and the Pacers beat the Thunder by one. So now Indiana, its magic number for clinching a playoff berth is one, and we've known all along the Pacers were going to make the Eastern Conference playoffs. They made enough hay when they had a healthy Victor Oladipo that that wasn't going to be a problem. The question all along for this Pacers team is can they beat anybody that's any good in the Eastern Conference on the road, and I think the answer to that is no. Sports Yak! Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks, but the second K is silent. Rule changes in Major League Baseball are coming in 2019 and 2020. Oh, I was hoping you would touch on this because I didn't even see what the rule changes were. First of all, I think one of the biggest changes, Corey, is the fact that no longer can you just bring a relief pitcher in to face one hitter. Okay. Now, there are ways around this rule. For instance, let's say Joe Madden's managing the Cubs. In the seventh inning, he decides John Lester is tiring takes him out with two outs in the inning and goes to the bullpen and Cardinals have a left-handed hitter coming up, so he goes and gets a left-handed reliever. Mm -hmm. Well, if that left-handed reliever gets that left-handed batter for the last out of the inning, everything changes at a half inning. So you you don't have to adhere to the three-batter rule for that. Okay. But let's say after seven... Joe Madden pinch hits for John Lester, and he brings in Pedro Strope from the bullpen because he's got a right-hander and the Cardinals have a right-handed batter leading off the inning, but then they follow with a lefty and then another righty. If he brings Pedro Strope in at the beginning of an inning, Pedro Strope has to face at least three batters. That's the new rule. That's the new rule. Okay. So... You know, and and you can rightfully ask, well, what happens if Pedro Strope gives up back-to-back homers to the first two hitters? Well, that's too bad. Pedro's still going to have to face a a third batter. Why do why, why do you think that rule got put into place? Because the the game is being stretched too long by too many pitching changes, okay. too many mound visits. So rather than put in a pitch clock, here are the things that they are doing to speed up the game. And we okay. talked about a couple of these. I remember this. Remember we talked about how the commercial breaks have become too long. Yes. They're two hours and 20 minutes. Well, they will shrink down to two minutes. The number of mound visits, either by your catcher or by your manager or whomever, coming in to talk to the pitcher, 
Last year, they put a cap on that at six. That's going to go down to five this year and four by 2020. Hmm. So figure it out. Now, the only time that you would be allowed is if the home plate umpire can legitimately say, oh, the catcher got crossed up. And you can usually tell these things. Like the catcher is thinking that the pitcher is going to throw a fastball and the pitcher throws a curveball. The catcher is slow in reacting. Or the one the umpires really fear, quite frankly, is the catcher thinks a curveball is coming and the pitcher throws a fastball because the catcher is going to be moving down and away to get the curveball. And here comes the fastball, and it's because the catcher's moving down and away, it's coming right at the umpire. And the umpires want no part of that. So they want to make sure everybody's on the same page, too. So Major League Baseball is now saying to television, instead of two minutes and 20 seconds, you now have two minutes. You've basically lost one. You've basically lost a promo or some little 15-second yeah. ad. Seven warm-up pitches? They Still get that seven warm-up pitches, but that can be done easily in two minutes. Okay. So that's not changing. Do they, the time. do they tell them that, do you think, Chuck? Like, you get your seven, but you need to wrap it up here in two minutes. Well, yeah. Okay. And that's usually not a problem. Okay. Uh, the trade waivers will be eliminated, so no player can be traded after July 31st through the end of the regular season. Also, by 2020, the active roster limit will increase by 1 to 26. So from opening day until August 31st, instead of having 25 players on your roster, you have 26. But in September, it used to go up to 40. It now only goes up to 28. Hmm. I think this is terrific, and here's why. Yeah, please. You had a lot of games in September. Let's say the Cubs are contending for the pennant. And San Diego isn't. Okay? And you both have 40-man rosters. Well, San Diego can load that 40-man roster with a bunch of pitchers that they want to see pitch, and they were bringing them in maybe for one batter at a time, playing matchups, or they're taking a look at some minor league prospects that they want to see, and they're putting a a rather non-competitive team, even more non-competitive than they were, a non-competitive team on the field against a team that's playing for a pennant. Well, that's not fair to the other teams in the league that are contending for the pennant as well. Or the fans. Or the fans. And come to watch this. Right. So I think by limiting that roster to 28, okay, you can take a, you can bring a couple of guys up from AAA, yeah, yeah. but we're basically going to be playing with the same team we've been playing with all season long. And I think I like that part of the rule. Actually, I don't really have a a problem with very many of these rule changes. I think they'll help speed up the game. They don't have a pitch clock. There's also going to be a joint management union committee that will study potential changes to the strike zone, the height of the mound, and the distance from the mound to the plate. Don't change 60 feet 6 inches. They're going to do it on an experimental level. In one of the minor leagues this year, they're going to push the mound back to 62 feet. Those are some of the baseball rule changes that are coming. Love to hear from the maniacs what they think of those. All right, on Fridays, I twist his arm to give us some insight on how he does what he does because he's a Hall of Famer, and I think this is a great place to leave a legacy. Here we go. Chuck Freebies, Sportscaster Camp. Lesson number three. Learn to write well, because if you can write well, then you'll be able to put your thoughts into order and speak well. 
Okay, let's dig into that. Learning to write well. You want to be able to write concise sentences. You want to be able to write where your verbs have power, where your adjectives have the ability to describe succinctly, but well. You don't get to write anymore that much. So how do you stay on top of that? How do you keep that polished? Well, because I because I have written before, mm-hmm. it taught me how to put my thoughts together and how to speak them well. You wrote for the Elkhart Truth? Wrote for the Elkhart Truth. I did some, well, back, first of all, I had good writing teachers in school. Okay. Did that start all the way back in Elkhart? Yes. Okay. And then I wrote for the school newspaper. I wrote stories for the Notre Dame programs when I was in school. I wrote press releases, which emphasized the who, what, why, when, and how. And then I wrote for the Elkhart Truth. Through doing that, you learn how to put things together. Many times you're learning how to do it on a deadline, which obviously your deadline as you're doing play-by-play is while you're speaking. Yes. But you learn how to put things together in a quick, concise way with powerful verbs and descriptive adjectives. If you ever watch Mike Emmerich do a hockey game, Mm -hmm. notice how he rarely uses the same verb twice to describe a pass of the puck in a hockey game. That noticeable. That noticeable. Okay. Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. But the second K is silent. If you have a business and you'd like to advertise on the Yak, I mean, we're heard in how many different countries? What's up, Canada, Italy, UK, and Mishawaka? And big listenership throughout Michiana. It's growing. I will say, more than likely, male audience, primarily right in that sweet spot of 35 to 60-year-old men. If that's your target audience and you're looking to get to them, this is the place to be. I would also say always an easy on-ramp to get in if you've never heard before and you just jump in right away. Oh, yeah. All right, have a great weekend. Have a great broadcast on Saturday. Why start now? We're on. (laughs) Jack wagon. (laughs) Ooga Luga. Sports Yak, the podcast. Uh, yak, you know what that is? It's like a water buffalo and a and uh, like an ugly guy. This is Jimmy Shorts, and you've been listening to Corey Mann and Chuck Freebie. Time to turn it off. Get on with your life. Get out of here. Until next time, sports fans. Sports Yak is on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. This is Jimmy Shorts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off. 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.